，女士们、先生们。Hello, fans of Shukpustan, and welcome to day five coverage of the Beijing 2022 Winter Olympics on Keep the Flame Alive, the podcast for fans of the Olympics and Paralympics. I am your host Jill Jarrett, joined as always by my lovely co-host Allison Brown. Allison, ni hao, how are you? Ni hao, I'm doing well this morning. I got a little extra sleep because I kept falling asleep during events. <laughs> oh, it's always fun when that starts happening. Yes, but I was able to catch up this morning without getting spoiled. So I'm there was a lot of excitement today. So I'm excited to talk about it. I am too. I just I've seen results. I've seen some stuff, and I'm curious about many things. But first, we will go into what officiating or volunteer job would you want to do? So I watched some luge today, and there were these people. Who were just standing next to the luge track in volunteer uniforms, not watching, standing like guards. I have no idea what they were doing, <laughs> and I don't really care. But they looked really cool. They just stood there, very at attention, like they were waiting for. They were waiting and ready. Huh, that's interesting. I wonder. Yeah, that's very curious. Very curious. I think today I'm starting to get a little list going, but I think today I would like to be the one of the curling ice techs. There is a job after they pebble the ice, they have to go over it, and what they do is they put all these curling stones in a cage thing, and they push the cage down the sheet. I would like to do that. Well, that's very similar to job you liked in Tokyo, where you liked the truck. The little mini truck that was bringing back the、uh, javelins and the、oh. shot put. <laughs> yeah, but this is a manual thing. It's not a. It's not a robot. <laughs> well, you know, you got to make it work however you can. Okay, so speaking of robot stuff, I'm gonna try to get a picture of this because it not blows my mind, but it's twisting my brain a little bit. So here in the convention center, in the main media center where we are, they are constantly sweeping the floors, which is nice. Not the magical hour of vacuuming, which. I think has passed, but we're talking about sweeping the main floor. It's concrete, so they have to sweep it with brooms, those those fuzzy brooms. And there is that when the curlers get knocked out of the tournament, they get sent <laughs> to the media center to sweep. <laughs> that would be funny. It would be entertaining, that's for sure. So there is a robot sweeper, and then there is a person on like an automated. It almost looks like a bicycle. With sweepers attached to it, and then there is a person with a push broom, and I do not understand why we have three layers of sweeping, but we do. Very dusty when those winds <laughs> come down from Mongolia. I guess so. So, how are we doing in the fantasy league? It's getting heated now. DLN has retaken the lead with eighty-five, tied with PS Gola, and Einersen has come back onto the podium position at eighty-four. I'm holding strong at 14th. Jill, you're in 44th. Not worried about it because I totally forgot to do my fantasy league again today. For four today, but I spent some time this afternoon and locked it in for tomorrow. Feeling good about my team. Feeling good about my chances. My, you know who my star athlete was today? Who? Ask Esther Ladeshka. Oh, that was a good pick. That was an excellent pick. But I'm enjoying hanging out in the bottom with all my fellow people on the bottom who are also having、uh, either trouble locking in their leagues or making some choices that aren't paying off. So hey, 
It's fun down here. <laughs> so it's at the Olympic Fan Zone, and our league is Keep the Flame Alive podcast. And apparently you can still beat Jill, even if you haven't started yet. Oh, oh snap. Wow. Could, hey, that'd be a good challenge. See if you can beat me. <laughs> Starting now. You could probably start day 10 and still see if you could beat me. I know. I'm talking a lot of smack for a girl who finished, like, at the bottom in our Tokyo Fantasy League. Hey, enjoy it while you can. Enjoy this moment. <laughs> so we've got some news from the follow-up file. You know, the other day I talked about the ski jumping venue and how I was worried about it being a white elephant. But I did see on CCTV they were showing venues. And what really worried me there is because it's a permanent installation like the stands are permanent and stuff's made out of concrete and there's actual buildings whereas like in biathlon half of the stand the stands seem pretty temporary or there's some stands that are that seem pretty permanent but there's a lot of temporary stuff and like i'm climbing up scaffolding to get to the press tribune because it's not permanent but you walk around the ski jump venue and you're like whoa this is permanent okay but in the summer the flat area where the skiers finish that's a soccer field Oh, well, that makes a lot of sense. That does. And then that makes sense why they would have a permanent stadium because they they're seating there and they can have soccer matches. So hopefully that's going to be a nice little dual use venue. This I did not know in the team event for figure skating. There was a story in the South China Morning Post on uh, Zhu Yi, the woman's figure skater representative from China, but she's actually American and got selected to be on the Chinese team ahead of a China-born skater. She fell pretty badly in the competition, and boy, were people giving her the royal treatment on social media. So there was this hashtag called uh, hashtag shame on Zhu Yi, and then it disappeared after a few hours. So it seemingly was censored. They don't know. Uh, but people have been picking on her because of her family ties. They picked on her because she can't speak Mandarin. And we've got Eileen Gu, who just won a gold medal. She is also American-born and competing for China, except for she does speak fluent Mandarin, and they love her here. And what's funny is the, the flip side of that, so Zhu Yi is getting the heat in China. Eileen Gu is getting the heat here. Oh, and there is a, a lot of controversy in the American press of why is Eileen Gu representing China? And there's also a lot of commentary from Chinese dissidents here in, in the West saying that she's simply a puppet of propaganda. Oh, that's interesting. And on top of it, she's made some very American statements saying things like, Oh, the people in China just, just use a VPN to get news. And some things that clearly she's an American, you know, young person who doesn't have this worldly view. So she's gotten herself into a, a lot of trouble. So yeah, the, the Zhu Yi, I did see that story that she's been just abused on Weibo, that they had to shut down her account because of the heat she got. So it's wrong on both sides. Wow. But I think one of the big stories coming out of this is going to be these American athletes who are representing China and how that came to be. Mm -hmm. Did China go after, and I, I don't mean go after in a, in a 
an attacking sense. But we know China wanted to have a very strong team going into these Olympics. And if you can't build it, do you buy it? Right, right. Do you collect these foreign-born athletes who have ties to China? And that seems to be what they've done in some sports. Yeah, it's it's also like they've gone out and acquired the coaching to help build their own teams because they just don't have the knowledge base here yet. So it is a very interesting situation. It'll be interesting when we get back and can really examine it further and learn a little bit more about how this team came to be. Country swapping is becoming more and more an issue. I saw a loser today who was clearly not Korean. She's actually German-born, but competing for Korea. There are a lot of people who do end up, like some Russians will end up competing for Korea. And yeah, that's very interesting. But there's also the, hey, I may look a certain way, but I was actually born in this one country and I'm just that foreign looking person. Oh, right. I I am absolutely not doing a xenophobic thing, but just the idea, it it was, it amused me for a moment where clearly this woman was German, had a German name and then competing for Korea. So there was that moment of dissonance. Right. But I'm seeing a lot of it. We saw it in Pyeongchang. We saw it a little bit in Sochi, but I feel like this time it is really ramped up as to people competing for a country that they weren't born in, they weren't raised in, they don't train in but have some extenuating ties to. And how does that change the whole dynamics of the Olympics when it's a country-based competition? That's a good question. Something to look into because it's very complicated. And I think it varies case by case and athlete by athlete. Do you have somebody like, what's her name? The Your favorite Hungarian, quote unquote oh. Hungarian, who's had no ties? Or, you know, do you have somebody... In a sense, Eileen Gu is an interesting case because she does speak fluent Mandarin. So she has a deeper connection culturally to this country, even if she is quite American. Or we talked about the skateboarders in Tokyo, where they pretty much all trained in California and lived there. So trying to figure out what's the best place. And, And there are athletes who... With some of these countries, the talent is so deep and the competition is so fierce. In order to reach your goals, if you can swap countries, do you? Or you can't get support in one country because we know so many federations are so political. Right. You know, you had a, a athlete like Callie Humphreys who had abuse issues in her home country and then was married to an American, moved to America, and it trained here. So... There are so many different questions. And are we inadvertently going back to Pierre de Coubertin's dream? Because his original idea was you weren't representing your country. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Put it on the list. We're going to look at it. We heard from listener Marilyn, who let us know that the song you were looking for that referenced Gina Lola Brigida is actually a TV theme song from the 1968 ABC TV show, The Ugliest Girl in Town. And there's a line in there that says, you don't need to be a Gina or Sophia. Is this what you're thinking of? This is not the song. There was also a song by Johnny Mathis about being in love with Gina Lola Brigida. I had a conversation with my mother, (laughs) and it turns out we think... Grandma Virginia made up the song, (laughs) which is why we can't find it. 
which actually makes me love it all the more. So I'm going to have to talk to my sister who has all the family memories in her brain and when I'm functioning on the same time zone as she is and see if she remembers this song because my grandma did make up things as and came up with she was a very funny woman so we think the Gina Lola Brigida song was made up all right which is even better so if I can get it I will attempt to share this with all of you okay but you know grandma is singer songwriter that's also a good find <laughs> she had many talents so one other thing in our follow-up file in ice hockey I did not realize this until today because I did not see the game there was a delay in getting the COVID-19 test results from the Russian Olympic Committee team. And that caused their match with Canada to be delayed and rescheduled. And the players had to wear masks. And there's even more of a controversy because some of the delay was that the Canadians were not receiving the information from the ROC. So there was a communication issue. And then in the third period, the ROC decided to take off its masks. Oh, okay. Just, we're not going to wear masks anymore, and we're fine. And Canadians were not happy about that choice. Yeah, I, I can imagine this, but Canada didn't win, win that match 6-1. to one. All right, let's look at today's action. We had some action at the Alpine skiing venue. They got some races off today. So today... There was a lot of testosterone in this race. It was so much fun to watch. Really? Okay, so this was the men's Super G. What can you tell me? Because I have not seen it yet. You need to go back and watch it. The conditions looked really good. No major crashes. Bunch of people went off the course because they were taking risks. Like you would not believe they were going for crazy fast times. And every time somebody hit the bottom of the course, so much yelling, screaming, adrenaline releases. This was a fantastic Super G. It's like I said yesterday, it's everything you want in a downhill. This was everything you wanted in a Super G, but better than the downhill because nobody got hurt. Nice. Nice. So gold went to uh, Matthias Mayer from Austria. Silver went to Ryan Cochran Siegel from USA. And bronze went to Alexander Amat Kilda from Norway. One thing I want to mention, and I'm going to be mentioning this kind of throughout the show, there is a parent line we are seeing. Matthias Mayer, we mentioned yesterday, is the son of Herman Mayer, who was successful in, in his career. Ryan Cochran Siegel's mother, Barbara Ann Cochran, skied at Sapporo 1972. Wow, very nice. Over in biathlon, it was the men's 20-kilometer individual race. Gold went to Quentin Fionnmaillet from France. Silver went to Anton Smolski from Belarus. And bronze went to Johannes Tingisbu from Norway. This was fun. Go JT. I know. Well, I watched this on the, f it was on the feed when I was here in the main media center. And I also had it on the little My Info system that we have access to that's got all the standings and the results. And I don't know if you can see this and where you are, but they have a whole setup for biathlon where you can track how they're doing time-wise with the skiing, and then there's another tab for the shooting, and they just have every lane, and the person's name will pop up, and then it'll show the things going down and if they've missed a target, and it's so much fun to watch. Yeah, on the NBC feed, they when they hit 
the uh, shooting range, you do see a picture of their targets. So you see it in real time as they're doing. If they miss, it flashes red. Uh, right. If they hit it, it goes down. So you see that part of it, but there's not... And their name and flag are next to it. So you know who's who. But it sounds like yours is fancier. It's fancier because you can see everybody. You On the feed, you only get to see who the director has decided should be shown at the time. So if you care about somebody who's further down in the rankings, you're not likely to get to see them unless they really start doing well. Or there's nobody else in the range and it's time to go to the range. But uh, Good Race, QFM, as they call him, is just been having a great year. Such a good competitor. That's really great. Uh, Smolsky has been popping up all season, and that's really good for the uh, program from Belarus. And what can you say about JT? I mean, he's just a great competitor. So this was a good race. Any update on his COVID status, or is he still in protocol? Do not know. Because I did not see the press conference, so I don't know. If, if he didn't go to the press conference, he probably was still in protocol. But he was sitting, like, they have a little waiting room because you kind of have to sit there and wait for the results uh, if you're going to do well. And he had started out pretty early in the order, so he had to sit there for a long time. We had the women's sprint for... Over in cross country, we had the women's and men's sprint free finals. Gold for the women. Gold went to uh, Jana Sundling from Sweden. Silver went to Maya Dahlquist from Sweden, and bronze went to Jesse Diggins from the USA. And very exciting because I don't think that the it, it's been a long time since the Americans have won an individual medal have won an individual medal in cross country skiing. It's been a long time since the Americans have won an individual medal in cross-country skiing, and it may be the first. It's the first woman. The first woman, that's what I thought. If you read our book club book by Peggy Shin on the women's cross-country program, Rosie Brennan, who was in that book, finished fourth. And yet again, Jessie Diggins did a little sprint at the end. Oh, did she to get that? Here comes Diggins. So how was the call on that? Did you watch the race? I just saw the end and okay. Keegan did a good job of not losing her mind. <laughs> <laughs> so Keegan Randall and Jesse Diggins, you will recall, were partners in Young Chang. They won the first gold medal in cross country for the American program. And now Keegan is doing the call on NBC. So obviously she's very close with Jesse. So you could hear it, but she stayed professional. Chad Samala lost his mind. <laughs> <laughs> I will have to try to find it because you know somebody's put that call on online somewhere. For the men, gold went to Johannes Holsl-Klebo from Norway. Silver went to Federico Pellegrino from Italy. And bronze went to Alexander Trentev from ROC. Over in curling, we had the medal games for the mixed doubles tournament. For the bronze medal match, Sweden defeated Great Britain 9-3. So a lot of British people very upset about the loss. And that was it. I went and saw the gold medal game between Italy and Norway. Oh my gosh, you were so right. About um, Amos Mosnar. Yeah, sorry, about Amos Mosnar. Sorry, I had to pull his name up. I couldn't remember. A, tall, B, drink of water, and (laughs) 
Yeah, my goodness, he is handsome. <laughs> he is. And that team just, it almost, I mean, the, the final score was 8-5. to five, So, obviously, they didn't shut Norway out. But it was like every shot they wanted to make, they made. And they were just a beautiful, nice takeout, nice placement of guards, good strategy. It was just a beautiful game to watch. And you know, they went the whole tournament undefeated. So it's so nice that they won for all the hard work that they did. I mean, they clearly were the best team in this tournament, which is amazing to see. So we are not just joking when we say Amos Mosner is tall. I looked it up. He's 6'6". Six, six. Oh, wow. Holy cow. It is no joke. It is no joke. And I also want to mention Stefania Constantini, the female half of this. She's only 22. Wow. And man, does she know what she's doing. They are a really special team. So clearly they are going to be back. Amos Mosner, I think, is 26. So they're very young. They'll be back for Milan, I hope. Oh, man. Can you imagine? In their own country. That would be defending gold medalists at home, and they're beautiful. We were joking on the Facebook group, and I have been, as I've mentioned on the show, trying to learn Italian. <laughs> and listening to the curling matches, all I got was, e buona, e buona. <laughs> the rest of what they're saying, I couldn't catch. <laughs> well, but let me tell you something, e buona. That, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, speaking of yelling, so the Norwegian team, as w- one of the shots just made me laugh because I'm not sure what they were trying to do, but the woman was uh, yelling at her partner to uh, a sweet partner, and he said something back, and so she just yelled the same thing louder and then louder again when he <laughs> kept talking back. I thought that was so, it was, I thought it was funny. The mixed doubles teams have such wonderful and very different dynamics. You really can see the personalities of these players come through because of that interaction between the two of them. So I definitely want to have on my list for when we're done to talk to some of these teams. Mm, yes. And yes. learn about the, di- the, the dynamics and what the different dynamics can be. Mm-hmm. So in the venue... They had, on the Jumbotron, they'd have little, again, like hockey, they'd have little games or things. This time they had a, a red envelope can where they, cam where they would pan the audience with the camera, but then on the screen overlaid were these red envelopes that were flying all over the screen, so the audience had to try to catch them in the if they could. And uh, that's a good segue to talk about our own red envelope campaign. This show does cost money to produce, and while our listeners have been extremely generous in supporting us through the Kickstarter campaign that got us here to Beijing, and also through Patreon patronage, we're coming up on two and a half years until another Olympics, so to celebrate the Lunar New Year, we're asking for donations of at least $8, which is a lucky number symbolizing good fortune in China, and this will help get us through to Paris 2024. If you are enjoying the shows and having fun watching the games with us, please consider giving us some financial support. You can go to flamealivepod.com slash support to donate. All right, men's figure skating. Short program day. This was fun to watch. This Were you there? I was there. I got there for the beginning of group two. So I did see uh, Donovan Carrillo, 
the Mexican figure skater. Oh my, he was really dynamic. He knows how to put on a show. And he smashed his season's best. So many season's bests went down. It was so nice to see. People were doing a really, overall, a really good job. You You had a couple vols, but overall, really great competition. And it was nice to see everybody just realize their best at the moment they needed it to happen. Someone who did not have a good program was two-time defending gold medalist Jizuro Hanyu, who popped his first jump, and with the way the short program works, ended up with zero points for that element. In the press conference afterwards, he said he hit a rut in the ice, and that disrupted his takeoff. Yeah, that was really interesting to hear. I did not go to the press conference, but it was just, when he popped it, it was gasp-worthy because it was completely unexpected and put him into eighth place overall. So if he's going to get a three-peat gold medal, he's got a lot of work to do. And he has to hope that other people just don't do as well in the long program. But that is unlikely given the talent we saw today. Right. So the other Japanese men picked up the pace. So Yumi Kagiyama, who's all of 18, we mentioned him in the team. He ended up in second. Shoma Una had a small slip, but nothing serious. He ended up in third. But the star of the night was Nathan Chen. Oh, yeah. He he just was all business and got it done. I got to say, though, Kagiyama was phenomenal in person. It was such a good program. So many good elements to it and the presentation. And he was so excited to do it. Like you could see the joy in his skating. Which is something that has become a very heated discussion on the Facebook group. And I want to mention the Facebook group. uh, It's Keep the Flame Alive podcast group on Facebook. And we are having a very heated discussion because of music choices. (laughs) And there was some defense of Bolero after my comments yesterday. But the idea that you can really tell the difference when a skater loves their program, loves their music, feels like it fits them, and when a skater has just been assigned a piece of music by their coaches and choreographers. Oh, this was so evident today. Totally. I mean, and and Kageyama, first of all, he has this exuberant personality that comes through, and they gave him a program that let him be him. Yeah, it and that really showed one... I'm going to call out the names. Constantine from Belarus was one of those. He had the, uh, some Nutcracker music by Tchaikovsky and just looked bored and automatronic. It was not fun to watch. And, uh, you know, I'm now getting to an age where these they're starting to look really young because some of these kids, they're still teenagers. And... They don't have the same connection to some of this music that maybe they would have a better connection to music they liked. So, you know, you have somebody like, and it's not just, oh, let's do classical versus modern music. I mean, Keegan Messing from Canada always uses very modern music. And it was great to see him back because he missed the team competition because of COVID protocol. And yet, his connection to the music gives him these artistic scores that make up for some technical deficits and it matters it really does i have to call out one other program this is, hold on adam Shaohimfa fa from france 
his music was Star Wars. It was like the Darth Vader march. The Hooked on Classics version for the 21st century. And I was so there for that. And it was really fantastic. And what made that so great to me was his footwork sequence was a, a lightsaber fight. Yes. You could tell what he was doing and that it wasn't just, oh, I have this music and I have this costume. It fed into the actual steps and movements he did. Yes. and Outstanding. Yeah. He was so much fun to watch. So many people, so much fun to watch. And then that was such a big contrast when they did not connect with the music. And I think that's, you know, it maybe is something that skaters need to advocate for the for themselves more in that and it's really hard to do when you're young and you've got a coach that's trying to get you to your goal of being in the olympics but there has to be more conversations over making programs work for skaters because that's a huge element to what makes a program work and what makes a good score and gets them to realize their goals so we've had a bolero We've had a Nutcracker and other Tchaikovsky pieces. We've had Rachmaninoff. We've had Carmen. I have yet to see a Malaguena, and it is not an Olympics without a program to Malaguena. <laughs> so ladies and pairs, I'm waiting. I'm not. One other program I want to call out is Mar- Maurice Kvetilasvili uh, from Georgia. He did this one-handed cartwheel at the end. He did it in the team, too. And, I, and when we were watching it, my husband looked at it and he said, wait, is that allowed? <laughs> it's like, I, I'm, I'm like, hey, sir, you bonally rule. Come on. No, no flipping. But he was also fun to watch. He did really well for his personal scores, but not quite in the same league as the Japanese skaters and Nathan Chen. But the, the cartwheel really threw me. And I'm surprised that he gets away with it. There was a Brian Orser sighting. My imaginary skating coach, if I was a figure skater. And his skating partner and also fellow Olympian Tracy Wilson with skater Jason Brown, who proves that you don't need a quad to be competitive. Right. He had a beautiful program, too. Oh, man. He sold it like you would not believe. Again, the music fits the skater right and i do think jason brown is one of those people who knows how to perform and knows how to put on a great show and that comes through so well in his skating he just really can put the feeling into it and connect to the music and also connect to you the audience and to the judges i'm sure feel that connection too that was the one program obviously in the chinese skater where i heard the crowd react they did so a couple days from now we'll have the uh, free skate for the men I can't remember if I'm going to try to get out for that, but I might because I'd love to see the long programs of all. So many men who did such a good job. The the, It's so nice to see the men's talent pool worldwide be so quality. Let's move over to freestyle skiing. This was the big air competition for the free ski. And uh, gold went to Eileen Gu, representing China. Silver went to Tess Ledeau, representing France, and bronze went to Mathilda Grimaud from Switzerland. <laughs> you watched this. I have seen, like, a jump. 
I did watch this. The one thing I noticed was some of them use poles and some of them do not. Hmm. So they're allowed to do either both. So Eileen Gu is a no pole, but Mathilde Grimaud is a pole. So I, I'm interested to know, is this how they were trained? Is it a regional thing? How that develops? Did she use her poles at all or did she just hold them the whole time? She used them in the start. Okay, to They push used off. the poles to get themselves going and okay. to, to generate speed. So maybe it has to, but it does get in their way, I would think, when they're flipping. Yeah, that, that's what I would think as well. No huge, I mean, of course, there were some wipeouts, but it was a good competition. Lots of beautiful jumps. This is another thing. Some of them start down the track backwards. Oh, right, right. Depending on how many turns you're going to do. I can't imagine going into the ramp backwards. I can't either, but I bet if you start this young enough and they're fearless, you're just like, oh, well, I'll just turn around and do it like this. It's true. <laughs> and speaking about being young, American Darian Stevens kept tapping her ear at the top of the uh, ramp. And having a college-age daughter, I know that motion. She's that got earbuds? Change- that's changing the song on your earbuds. <laughs> so she was trying to find her, I'm going to do my Olympic run playlist. Interesting. Interesting. This is a venue I want to go out and see for sure. Please, please because it's the, the ramp itself is stunning. And then when they give you the drone shot, it's just acres of brown industrial. Yeah, because I think it used to be some sort of steel facility. I have to look into this, but... That venue's, they've like transformed something to make that venue. It is in Beijing, but it is like a 55 minute bus drive from where I am. So that'll be, it's on my list because I definitely want to see that venue and also see a little bit more of the city from a bus window. And I'm very curious as to why this venue they have during the day and some of the other mountain venues are at night. Because I would think this venue, and I've seen the photos of it lit up, it's stunning. And why would you want to have all these television shots of this industrial vastness where, like at the sliding center, they're doing it at night? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they put the schedules together or how that works. Again, put it on the list. It's interesting because ski jumping has been both during the day and at night. And ski jumping has a big light element to the top of the tower as well. But it's been off for competition. So I don't know what the story is with that either. Oh, um, speaking of odd things we've seen, I have started to ask around about the cow sign on the top of the mountain at Alpine. Okay, so there was a photograph that we saw of several coaches on a mountain adjacent to the downhill run where they're able to kind of get an eagle eye view of the skiers coming down. But for some reason, there is a cow sign on this mountain. Like warning you that there are cows coming? There's no way a cow could climb this mountain. I mean, even the coaches are kind of hanging by a thread. Honestly, it looks like a Ricola commercial where they're going to start, you know, saying Ricola. I mean, they're just hanging on this by these tiny little edges. (laughs) Well, I will keep working on it and see if I can find the answer. I don't know. 
but I'll keep you posted. Moving over to ice hockey, we had more women's preliminary round action. U.S. and Canada played. Canada won 4-2. Japan beat Czech Republic 3-2. Sweden beat Denmark 3-1. And Finland beat ROC 5-0. So that means Canada is the only undefeated team in the tournament. They are at 4-0. In the rest of Group A, USA is 3-1. And, and the other three teams, Finland, ROC, and Switzerland, are 1-3. In Group B, Japan is 3-1. Czech Republic, Sweden, China are all two and two, and Denmark is one and three. Keep your eye on Japan. They are coming on strong. Are they? Ooh. I they, think we may finally see not a gold medal match of Canada and the U.S. Really? Wow. Possibly. That, that is a bold statement to make. Very bold statement. Not saying I want to see that. Right. <laughs> because I love a good U.S.-Canada, I think is by far the best rivalry in all of sports. Any sport, U.S.-Canada women's ice hockey. But Japan, they've got their eyes set. Interesting. We'll keep an eye on that. Over in Luge, we had the end of women's singles uh, tournament ended with gold going to Natalie Geisenberger from Germany. Silver going to Anna Bereiter from Germany, and bronze went to Tatiana Ivanova from ROC. So, so Felix Locke was there cheering for his German compatriots, and I found this little tidbit talking about parents. His father, Norbert Locke, who was an Olympian in 84, is the German national coach, and oh. nobody was more excited for Natalie than Felix and Norbert Locke. Oh, that's so nice. There was another legacy athlete in this competition. That is Nina Ziegler from Italy, who finished 16th. Her father's Armin Ziegler, who is legendary in the sport, many-time medalist. And I was reading a story about her, and as she is, she apparently came to the sport all on her own free will. He's like, I never did anything. She just did it all herself. And she started, she's like, I want to try natural luge. And then he kind of said, you know, you can do artificial too. I mean, you can't do much worse than having Armin Ziegler as your dad to get you into luge. <laughs> In snowboard, we had the parallel giant slalom races for the men's and the women's. I saw bits and pieces of it here and there, but I didn't see the end, which was sounds exciting because it's our favorite Czech snowboarder, Esther Ladeshka, who defended her 2018 gold medal. And now she's going to try to do the double like she did in Pyeongchang and compete in the Super G coming up. Which is sort of like having somebody compete in, you know, figure skating and speed skating. They're very different. And people say, oh, you're going down the mountain on the snowboard. It must be the same. But it is very different skills, very different kind of training. And what happened to Pyeongchang was considered a fluke. But the fact that she came back and defended at least half of her double is really amazing. This girl is incredibly talented, obviously works incredibly hard, and is so much fun to watch. Yes. And so just full of joy. Love. You can see the love of the sport in her when she competes. So Esther Ladeshka won gold. Silver went to Daniela Ubling from Austria and Bronze went to Gloria Kotnik from Slovenia. 
On the men's side, gold went to Benjamin Karl from Austria, silver went to Tim Mastnak from Slovenia, and bronze went to Vic Vild from ROC. So if you think we've been saying Slovenia a lot, we have. They are doing incredibly well, as is Sweden, at least with the in the early medal table. So you're not imagining that. Yeah, that's that's really impressive. Good for Slovenia. That's got to be so exciting for them. And Sweden winning medals in stuff they haven't won medals in for a long time. And that's really exciting as well. And finally, we go over to the uh, speed skating oval for long track speed skating. We had the men's 1500 today. Gold went to Kild Nice from Netherlands. Silver went to Tomas Kroll from Netherlands. And bronze went to Kim Min Suk from Korea. So the Koreans have now moved over to long track. Just like the Dutch are starting to move into short track. Yesterday, Suzanne Schulting won a medal in short track. And now the Koreans are doing the opposite switch, which is fantastic because, again, we were talking about Slovenia. I like this cross-pollination and seeing different countries emerging in these different sports because you see the different styles. Exactly. I wonder how Pyeongchang or how it played a role or if it played a role in the Koreans developing more speed skaters on the long track. Well, they had a ribbon now. Yeah. That's they have true. a state-of-the-art ribbon, so you can't do better than that. That's true. All right, that brings us to the end of today's competition. What's on tap for Shuklistan tomorrow? So we got some more competition. Snowboarder Chloe Kim will be doing the prelims of the halfpipe, trying to defend her gold medal from Pyeongchang. As is John Schuster. Team Schuster begins round-robin play in the men's curling tournament versus ROC. So excited to watch both of those i don't think i'm gonna get up to the mountain in time because i believe chloe kim is like at 9 30 in the morning and that's not happening with how long it takes to get out to the mountain but i might be able to see uh, team seister kick off their tournament so i'm excited to watch them in person because they have so much fun as a team but they it's it's interesting because they have a lot of, like matt hamilton on the team has got a huge personality but when they're curling it's like business and it's it's really good teamwork with that team that's all I schuster can say. is schuster is the skip and they know it mm-hmm. and they follow his lead and they do their jobs yeah it's the best kind of teamwork yeah exactly but they all give input too and that's and that's totally welcome and that's really nice to see where they just kind of banter back and forth over what do we do this what do we do that and then schuster takes all that information in and makes a decision and then they just that's what we're doing yeah and that banter will be able to understand it won't be just hey buona hey buona (laughs) well you gotta get through that wisconsin accent Hamilton. <laughs> so I don't know. You might not be able to understand it. You... I'll just offer him a jello salad for the Oh, potluck. don't even bring up jello. Do not bring up jello. I'm going to take offense to that. Just Midwestern, stereotypical people who think we're flyover country. We don't all eat jello. Jello salad with the marshmallows for the potluck. Don't you know? Next time you come to the Midwest. You're just going to get jello salads everywhere. I'll find potlucks for you. I love the Midwest. Don't even. I love <laughs> all of you. 
<laughs> Speaking of love, we would like to thank our researchers for today, Annie Tremanis and Games and Rings. And speaking of things we love, our mascot this week, Luna. We have been posting some lovely photographs of her on both Twitter and Insta, so take a look. She's in some interesting places where she likes to take a nap. And all I can say is, Luna, I understand, given our time difference this week. <laughs> I will fall asleep in the sink as well, Luna. Speaking of needing a nap, it's about bedtime for me. So that's going to do it for this episode. Tune in again tomorrow for another great day of competition. And in the meantime, be sure to celebrate the games with us on our Keep the Flame Alive Facebook group. It's the place to hang out with other listeners and see Jill's daily diary of her meals and some favorite foods, which have been fun to see. Jill is also on Twitter. I am on Insta. Both are at Flame Alive Pod. You can email us at flamealivepod at gmail.com or call or text us at 208-352-6348. That's 208-FLAME-IT. Yeah, and on Twitter you get my daily breakfast, which I've been here just over a week and there has been something new and amazing on the breakfast buffet. Every day I'm... stopped. Maybe not. But it's always fun and new and exciting on the breakfast buffet at the Beijing Fujian Hotel. That's all I have to say. So, and I can get breakfast in a few hours. So we will catch you back here tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, keep the flame alive.